0: Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com Additional support comes from Luba Workers' Comp. And by Schuert Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas.
1: From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're Out to Lunch with Peter Ashuti Peter Ashuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business New Orleans style.
2: Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. In the old days, when people read newspapers and magazines, they would have them delivered to their home by the U.S. Postal Service. This method of purchasing was called a subscription, and subscriptions were pretty much the sole province of magazines and newspapers. Today, what we call the subscriber model is the way companies like Netflix and Spotify have revolutionized entertainment. Other companies have developed subscriber subsets within their main business models, for example, uh, Amazon Prime. Over the last few years, the subscriber model has given birth to a new style of business called the subscription box. You subscribe to Blue Apron and you get sent boxes of raw materials to make dinner. One time supermodel Cindy Crawford will send you a monthly box of skincare products called Meaningful Beauty. Here in New Orleans, you can subscribe to something called consumer supported agriculture for urban dwelling carnivores. It's a monthly box of meat. But not just any meat, the beef and pork comes from animals raised and treated according to conscious environmental and ethical principles on a small farm in Como, Mississippi. The farm and the company is called Home Place Pastures. President and co-founder of Home Place Pastures, Marshall Bartlett is a member of the fifth generation working the family farm. Marshall, welcome out to lunch.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here.
2: If you're looking for an even more unorthodox method than a meat subscription for getting food to show up at your house, you could call up Becky Wozden. Now, Becky is the founder and owner of a company called Two Girls, One Shuck. The company does pretty much exactly what the name says. Two girls show up at your house or wedding or workplace with a sack of oysters and shuck them for you. It's one of those ideas that's just crazy enough to work here in New Orleans. Becky started out with just herself and her partner as the two shucketeers, as, as she calls them. Today, there are 24 shucketeers shucking oysters at as many as six events in any one night. Becky welcomed out to lunch.
3: Thank you, Peter. It's great to be here.
2: <laughs> now, Marshall, your family has been farming the same land since 1871. So I assume just after the war, they put down the guns and picked up shovels. That yeah, is working oh out. God, the, yeah. the farm has been in continuous business for the whole time, and to keep a business going for almost 150 years, successive generations must have had a pretty good understanding of what they were doing. Then in 2013, you came along and you say, hey, we're gonna change things up, we're gonna go all organic, and by the way, spend a bunch of money building an ethically correct USDA inspected slaughterhouse. Today, you're supplying meat to a large number of the finest restaurants in New Orleans, Mississippi, and Memphis, as well as attracting a revolutionary new consumer base with a subscription box. But when you first came up with those ideas, what was the reaction? Did you have other family members or local bankers who needed some convincing?
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. When I uh, got back, you know, I actually lived in New Orleans briefly uh, after college. You were with AmeriCorps? Uh, yeah, I did an AmeriCorps term and worked for another company down here. I was doing direct marketing to restaurants. I remember. Uh, calling my folks up and you know they invested pretty considerably in my education so I wouldn't farm. My dad kind of <laughs> pushed us all away from agriculture. Were you the
2: only southern farmer at Dartmouth by the way?
1: Uh, yes definitely that was not a big demographic up there and uh, I remember calling dad and said yeah I really want to come home and, and try to make this work and he's like well what's your idea? And I was like uh, pig farming and there was like this long <laughs> pause on the phone <laughs> just like obviously he was not uh, over the moon about the idea but um, you know, as as he learned how serious we were about it, and that it was a viable business, it's been really gratifying for, for me and my siblings to to see this thing working and to really see my community and my parents kind of come around on it and get really excited about it. And so, uh, I you know, I think everyone feels really great about what we're doing now. We're on a good track. So
2: you're on a good track, and you're not only that; you're expanding. Um For instance, Nashville's kind of a a new market.
1: Yeah, we just started uh, doing deliveries in Nashville about a month ago, and we've been able to work with some really great chefs there. It's a really, really exciting, fun food town. And uh, we've teamed up with some distributors that are helping us get our product down here, so that freed up the logistics where we could get a truck over to Nashville because, you know, the farm is not right next to any of these places so it's always a challenge getting this product uh to those cities.
2: now becky two girls one shuck is one of those classic success stories that makes entrepreneurship seem like a bunch of breezy fun and good luck but usually the truth about starting up a brand new business is that it's not as aw shucks if you'll pardon the pardon the (laughs) pun as pr people would like you to to believe in your case you were a special ed teacher with no background in business or oysters Uh, Now you're a business owner, an employer, who's been growing this company for three years. Looking back from where you are now, what's the most important business skill you've learned on the job that you wish you could have uh, saved yourself learning the hard way and actually had some business training?
3: For me, the financials, doing the paperwork, the spreadsheets, what I call the boring office stuff, which is critical to growing a business if you want to be responsible and have a real track to see how you've come from one place to another, that for me has been the most most challenging part. But I feel very supported by fellow business owners and friends. I've had opportunities to do some mentoring, business classes. That's helped quite a bit.
2: Oh, that is great! Yeah. And it's you're, you've got twenty-four folks over there.
3: Uh, oh, for my staff. Yeah, we have twenty-four lovely lady shuckers that are on call for any given event. Um, me and my I call her my oyster wrangler. I have one (laughs) full-time assistant, her name's Kelly. Her and I are doing the daily grind six to seven days a week, meaning we could start the day at 8 a.m. and end at midnight. And within that one day, it could be picking up oysters, going to our catering kitchen, fielding emails, fielding phone calls, doing bookings, uh, sending invoices, going to site visits. Tell me you're
2: also not out there getting (laughs) the oysters out of the sea, right?
3: Sadly, I do not <laughs> okay. pull them myself out of the water, though I would love to make that a part of my business model. The new vertical <laughs> integration? That would be really scary. I would scary. really love
0: it. We Where t- do you get the oysters? We typically
3: source out of Hopedale. So St. Bernard Parish Area 3 is my personal favorite. The oysters have, just have a beautiful brackish flavor. Um, they're very salty this time of year.
2: When I was growing up, it was that you, you had that, the, I guess it's now a myth about the... The uh, R-Month Yeah, the R-Month. Yeah. How, how does that work in... What do we get wrong on that?
3: For Louisiana Gulf oysters, you can safely eat them 12 months out of the year. We have refrigeration. We can move the oysters from the dredging boats straight to refrigeration within minutes. A lot of the boats have refrigeration on them. My personal biological statement is they just don't want to be eaten in the summer. The water's warm. The temperature's warm. The oysters don't want to be The oysters, oysters be eaten. are lazy. Oh, the oysters is, are lazy in the summer. Angle. They don't plump up. They don't have a nice creamy body. They do spawn. So, we have to breach that. They do I spawn. In the summer. They, so we odd. all is do, yeah, I think. Right. So, May, June, and July, they are just lazy and thin. They won't have much salt flavor because we get so much rain. So, a lot of the rain washes out the natural flavors of the Gulf water. So, yes, please eat oysters year round. There is an R in summer.
2: Oh, that is great. Welcome, That's a Louisiana sticker.
3: Seafood Board. That's there. <laughs> so, you will see oyster festival happening here in June.
2: Now tell me, let's let's talk about like the way you think about an expansion. What What's involved? Let's say you say, all right, Nashville's the next place I'm going out. What are the steps you take?
1: Well, um, you mentioned the the kind of sizable investment we had to make to get started in building the USDA inspected processing plant. So that was the, the main first step that we had to do to scale this thing because we knew, you know, being in North Mississippi and rural Mississippi, our main markets were going to be across state lines in Memphis, Tennessee and New Orleans and Nashville and beyond. So um, you know, we had to be federally inspected to be able to grow. So that was, that was kind of the first thing. So we've got that. You know, we took care of that with our first markets. But to go into an area like Nashville, it's mainly, uh, you know, making sure there's some chefs we can work with there, you know, so making sure there's some room in the market. Driving and, out and yeah, just, to talk to cooks? And we, you know, know some people by now that yeah. kind of have some connections that we try to play on and do that. And then making sure we can get, you know, a truck out there with the product in it once a week consistently and reliably. So Nashville is about four hours in a, you know, in a slow moving. And you're about truck.
2: five hours from Or so.
1: Five hours. So, so having to get down here with product every week, once we figured that out and bypass that obstacle, everything else seems easy. <laughs> you know? was, I mean, when we started out, I was sending meat down in coolers and friends, cars, the chefs. We like I, I built a plywood box that fit in the back of a pickup truck i had a chef call me he's like you can never deliver meat to my restaurant out of that whatever that thing is <laughs> 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 police <laughs> escort it's, so it's the meat man dragging a hog out of this plywood box like <laughs> falls on the sidewalk yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um but anyway. that part
2: of the model uh you know so you have mentioned i think like 40 to 50 restaurants in new orleans that you use mm-hmm. service here yeah. but it's the s- subscription side that is so innovative here how does it work how would it well, work for a new orleanian i would like to
1: make a very large disclaimer that we did not invent the csa model small farms have been doing this and it's very creative and clever and uh, I, would, uh, I would be the first to admit that we're not you know reinventing the wheel here but what's unique about our program is that a lot of the csa's that were started were done by vegetable farmers to make things seasonally available you know extra produce they had people could buy in so it's not part of the confederate states of america different CSA, Yeah, very important to know that. Um, so uh... Our, our approach, I think, is really unique because, you know, A, it's meat, and so we're sending out these monthly boxes of, of what we have, and we try to adjust to that same seasonal. Like, so for right now, we're sending out a lot of short ribs and roast and heavier cuts, you know, and then the summer is like steak and kind of lighter things for the grill. But the, the main thing that uh, is unique about what we do is the access. You know, that's what's so challenging about people in urban areas trying to, you know, eat ethically or find, you know, get access to this type of meat. Um, as, you know, the reality is all the farms are way far away out right. in the country, you know, and so connecting those two things, there's a lot of demand in these urban areas, and then all the production is way out in the country. And you they know? could
2: use some urban money, I guess. Oh yeah, exactly. And so
1: it, it's it's really fun for us to come up with kind of creative ways to make this approach, A, it's got to be convenient. You know, everyone's lives are very So what do you
2: do in New Orleans? Where do do I go to pick up my... So
1: you go to our website, it's very user friendly, and Allison set that up for us, and you sign up for a monthly subscription. We have four different size boxes, and we created one for the millennials out there. It's the cheapest one, you know, and it's kind of balling (laughs) on a budget, but wanting to eat (laughs) well and so and then it goes up to a boss hog box which is like you're getting oh, the, I can just the cream of the that. crop yeah like love, love firing up the grill every night for the for the nice and if
2: so. wait, I mean you're not mailing it to me and not delivering it to my door what's right, the logistics right so
1: once once you pick that up there's a monthly pickup, and here in town we teamed up with uh, Chef Nathaniel Zimmett at Bure he runs oh. a really cool little dak shack and butcher shop there yeah, and so you like go in you get a free daiquiri on us with when you pick up. up your meat when you pick up your oh, meat what a great day that yeah. would after be. work <laughs> on Thursday come in grab your meat box get a daiquiri. No better way to uh to end the day i would say <laughs> and that's the third thursday of every month that we do that
2: and you know i've been looking into your business some of the things are pretty fascinating like you know the fact that you give uh, employees of those restaurants a, a break on getting getting these boxes and that obviously gets you on their good side and and maybe yeah they'd... and
1: that was you know again allison gets a lot of credit for this who does her marketing down here she came up with that idea because he's cooks and chefs love working with our product and they, you know, spend more time and money to use it, but they're not getting to eat it because they're cooking it for other sure. people, <laughs> but yeah. they appreciate the quality of it so much, you know, they're our main cheerleaders, so we wanted to uh, you know, make it, again, easier for them to get access to this stuff, so if you work in one of our kitchens will deliver, you know, a CSA to you, and you get a discount just from working in that kitchen. So that's that's been a cool program. We've been able to, again, connect with, with those folks.
2: You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Rusciutti. I'm talking with Marshall Bartlett from Home Place Pastures, a farm in Mississippi that raises environmentally and ethically conscious cows and pigs that end up in New Orleans restaurants and in a monthly meat subscription box. And Becky Wozden from Two Girls, One Shuck, Lady Oyster Shuckers, who bring the oysters and the party to your place. And Becky, you are not originally from here. You are actually from the most un-New Orleans place in the, in the world, you're from Utah. I did grow up in Salt
3: Lake City, Utah. I had my first raw oyster here in New Orleans at a backyard party, Crawfish Boil, in 2001. He and immediately fell in love, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I had great coaches, friends that were cheering me on. There's a lot of good peer pressure. Yeah. When people are drinking and eating crawfish and there's raw oh, oysters, you just have to go for it.
2: Now, Becky Marshall, this is the part of the show we call Another Great Idea. Maybe you've got a friend like this, someone who's always got a great idea for you. Uh, they tell you about this job you should apply for or that guy you should have a cup of coffee with or a great investment opportunity you should jump on. You can take advice like this, and it turns out to be a disaster. You can dismiss this advice and miss out on something that might have turned out really great, or you can take your friend's advice and it turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Uh, do you have an example in your life or career of a friend who had a great idea for you? And did you take their advice and, and how did it turn out? I'll, I'll start with Marshall.
1: So I kind of touched on this earlier, but I think that the really great advice that I got that I didn't take was from my father who told me not to farm. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was just too damn dumb to do anything else, so I didn't uh, I didn't take that advice. So here we are.
2: <laughs> but now you're a star of media. This is all working oh, yeah. out, Marshall. Yeah. But actually, you, you're glad you did it, right? Yes, I Okay. Am.
1: I am very glad. I, I don't know that. what
2: you do at your Dartmouth reunions, though. You're the only guy that's doing it. I have this. a lot to talk
1: about. It's, just, yeah. it's nice. Everybody man. else,
2: well, it's probably so diversified, those reunions. Like You've got venture capitalists hanging out with uh, hedge fund managers. Right. You're a real wide range right. really, and then you <laughs> that is uh, now Becky what about yourself
3: I can latch right onto that to age myself I just went to my 20 year high school reunion my guidance counselor in high school did a personality and career test and told me I should be a baker and if you know anything about me I love culinary arts I love food but I do not know how to cook and I cannot bake to save my life so I'm glad I didn't take the advice of that <laughs> guidance counselor back in high school <laughs> because I had worked in a bakery briefly and found that my strongest piece was working with people. And so working the counter, instead of being behind the scenes baking bread, I loved working the counter and that my customer service and my service industry it just started really she early. Sure, wasn't on. that
2: far off though, uh, Becky. I mean, really, they. Uh, I I'm mean, so glad I'm really not waking up
3: at 4 a.m. going to the bakery every day. How was a high
2: school <laughs> guidance counselor in Salt Lake going to say? And the answer is oysters. Thanks right. for being on the right. show. It's you know, very the bakery true. was very as close as it was going to. As it was But at my get. high
3: school reunion, it was really interesting to see a bunch of friends I haven't seen for 20 years. And explain my business. Yeah, it's <laughs>
1: never a simple like, hey, what are you up to? And you tell them and that's the end of the conversation. You're yeah. like, I'm going to have to do some serious <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> explaining yeah. here. You, you to bring any you of
2: your friends with long, you. I you know, hope you got that...
1: a fresh beer because this is going to take a minute. <laughs> Same, day, yeah. It's right yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Now there's, Becky, you don't, um, uh, you know, you're, what you're. What is it called? they call your side of catering? Flameless? Or?
3: We now added char grilled oysters oh, okay, good. a few years ago by popular demand. Yeah. And it is one of our Best showpieces. But initially, we just did a raw bar. I'm quite the purist and I love a natural oyster naked with nothing on it. All right? New Orleans <laughs> fits have, right in have a your hard name, time really. with that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, <it's>, uh, <laughs> But we still supply everything crackers, cocktail sauce, horseradish,
2: hot What about sauces. things like? Um, so. Like, would you want to be like a food truck someday? Not you personally, your business would have a food um,
3: Two Girls, One Shuck Truck was a really <laughs> dream of mine <laughs> that the city of New Orleans is not quite prepared to tackle.
2: There's a new mayor. Ra- do you want me to do anything? You know what? That- me and
3: LaToya have been on the no. I haven't met her yet. But it's a, delicate, um, it's a delicate commodity because it's a raw product. I really understand Marshall's difficulty in distribution. That piece to the business alone was our hardest hurdle because we had to convince the health department that they could trust us to move oysters around safely. So that took a year of design and special permits and HACCPs that we worked out. So I have a refrigerated truck in our cargo van that we bring on-site to weddings and parties. So the oysters stayed at a a great temperature. It's all about time and temperature. This is always the boring part of the conversation, but it's the most critical part, knowing that we are bringing you safe food and we're doing it the proper way. Well, and we, it costs a lot of money.
2: I can imagine that equipment. It isn't costs cheap. a
3: lot. So for two girls, one Shuck to have instigated a lot of these procedures. Oh, most boring word ever. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I just like. To, I'm like. Oh, let's talk about. Searching this. for oh, anywhere. no, don't you free. worry. Let's yeah. talk about. We'll take you know. that out and add some, so, right, <laughs> something. Right. Right. But with But or I, we're very proud. Two girls, one Shuck was given the first mobile. And I have to say this very specifically. We are mobile oyster caterers. We are not a food truck. Oh. We do not serve oysters out of our van. Like, you'll see it
2: Mobile all over the city at parades and second lines. Monk. And I
3: eat those oysters out of people's vans all the time. No, we have all of our regulations, like, lined up.
2: Well, we talked to Marshall to about what, he, yeah. what expansion would look like for him. Are we, yeah. picks on a new city and such? What right, about yourself?
3: Right. We have extreme interests. We're getting phone calls and emails from Baton Rouge, Mandeville, Covington, Slidell, Alabama, Mississippi, Florida. It's just naturally. And what
2: would that look like in your case?
3: I, that's our next growth stage will be expansion
2: and but outside of orleans parish what would be the lo- logistics there though my I mean... most
3: challenging piece at this moment is i would love to become a federally permitted oyster distributor meaning i could take oysters from a warehouse in new orleans or hopedale and be allowed to transfer them
1: across to Hale. different uh, yeah. it's
3: really because we're so close to mississippi and we're right. so close to alabama sometimes there are do you think maybe people you that guys, hire us and i'm like oh,
2: what about so. you guys share a truck? That would be good sometimes. You must be going to the same spot sometime. Oh, would be amazing. I that would be great. This is great. the biggest
3: heartache. I know a lot of oyster farmers in Florida and Alabama, Mississippi and Texas and Louisiana, even southern Louisiana, who have their biggest challenge now is moving the oysters to cities, to urban cities where people want to pay for and eat these incredible entities but it's expensive.
2: If you guys do something yeah. together, we I'm, get like a finder's fee or I'm something. telling like, you, I know, a, I know. There are some
1: like uh-huh. regs on seafood yep. and meat and trucks, and yep. so we'd have to look at yeah, that. Yeah, we can't cross. But it's not, it's not an undoable You'll see thing.
3: trucks that have yeah. fish written on the back.
1: Why do they have that on because the back? Because you
3: shouldn't be mixing meat and seafood together. Right.
1: Yeah. And especially so vegetables chicken, and uh-huh. seafood. That's yeah. I
3: always laugh at that because it uh-huh. seems like
2: the only things you ever see uh-huh. are like nuclear waste and fish on the back of a truck. What it's
3: it's specific, well, that truck is specifically supposed to only be carrying
1: yeah shell, and eat fish or shellfish. It's a great opportunity, you know, for us to work with a vegetable farmer because it's you know a local yeah. and someone But we've always kind of run into that obstacle that you have a risk of cross contamination. So mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I am so much smarter than I was a half an hour ago. One of the many interesting aspects of business is the creative side of it, coming up with the ideas. Inspiration is defined as taking two previously unrelated things and and putting them together like, for example, women and oyster shucking or organic family farm-raised meat and a subscription business model, Becky and Marshall, it has been great to hear about your inspired ideas and how you're transforming them into real-world successes. Uh, we wish you continued success and look forward to keeping up with you. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today and Out to Lunch. Thank, yeah, you, Peter. thank you, Peter. It's, it's been great. It. My <laughs> guests on Out to Lunch today have been Marshall Bartlett, president and co-founder of Home Place Pastures, and Becky Wazden owner and queen shucketeer at Two Girls, One Shuck. You can find out more about Marshall's meat and Becky's oysters by following the links on our website it's itsneworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. You can listen to this show and to past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts and at itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and Its New Orleans' Facebook page. The photos were taken today by Allison Moon. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO. FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out
0: to Lunch. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitchell's music is available wherever great jazz is sold or streamed and at mitchellforeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers' Comp and by... Short and Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas.